Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. My guest is Dennis Welch. Dennis is a Grammy award-winning songwriter and now a recording artist. For more information about Dennis, please visit welch-words.com. You may also listen to his music on your favorite music streaming platform. My guest today is Dennis Welch, who is a poet, a businessman, a published writer, and a PR and communications expert with a great relationship in the business media and beyond. He has written two books of his own and is an in-demand speaker. Additionally, Dennis is also a singer, songwriter, and now a recording artist. In today's episode, we talk about his new album, What Love Makes Us Do, that was just released. It is a continuation of a lifetime of songwriting, authoring books, and speaking. He has found his calling in his life, and he's here today to share it with us. Welcome to Lifeology. Thank you, James. Thanks for having me on. I am really looking forward to this. It's funny, you and I, I've known you as a publicist. I've gotten to, inter- I've been able to interview a few of your clients and I had no idea that there was this other side of you, nor did I know about the, the additional background that you did when you were writing with Gallup and all these different things. So I was like, wow, we have a lot in common well, in a lot of ways. You know, James, it, go, it goes both ways, okay? So when I approached you, when we, I knew we were getting close to finishing this record and I approached you, you know, I'd I'm I'm really good at promoting other people. Uh, it's difficult for me to to you know go out there and tell other you know tell people how great I am. But anyway, and so when I approached you, you know, with some trepidation, obviously, you know, and uh, and and you know, you didn't really know, and I didn't know, I I didn't know that you were a musician as well. And it's like <laughs> you know these kind of things. Just so you know, they've happened to me so often now that I've I've just stopped you know, trying to explain those things. I think that just means that there's, uh, that I'm not in charge apparently. Yeah, of how exactly. things go. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, I wanted to jump in first off your PR stuff. So you, when you, uh, when you graduated from college, I know, didn't you work with Gallup? So Gallup is a, well, I'll let you explain what Gallup is. Cause I've worked with them from a psychological approach, but I um, just want to transfer into that transition into that and then go into music because as we know, musicians, that's always a part of our life, even though it may not always be, um, the forefront of our life, but it is a part of our life. So how did you go from university to working for Gallup and obviously explain what, what Gallup is? Well, so so what happened for me was I, I when I got out of college, I, I was I, my plan was to be uh, a recording artist and uh, and singer songwriter. And I, I made I made a few records, um, you know, did a little bit of, you know, touring, that kind of stuff. And then in my mid 30s, um, I was I think relatively close to a, a, a big record deal. And I had a chance to, I had a chance to go out on uh tour with uh Billy Squire and a band called oh, King's no. X. And I'd never toured like these guys tour. And the, you know, every day, you know, I had little kids, I had to leave them, my sons, you know, my, my wife, I had to, you know, leave home basically. And you know how it works, you know, in the, in the touring world, you just go and you go until nobody wants you to go. Right. And so I lasted about three weeks on this tour and uh, I got to Salt Lake City, Utah. And uh, and every day the road manager was coming in and saying, 
hey, listen, we've got 10 more dates added to the tour. And he was excited about it. And I was like, I'm not excited about this. Okay. And so anyway, so I got to Salt Lake City and I called the manager who had sent me out there and I was a technician and I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just driving a truck and making a little money because I needed it. And I called him and I said, you know, man, I, I can't, I can't do this. I said, I've pursued this now for such a long time and I'm right on the cusp of it. And now I, re- I, I can't do it. And so I can't call my kids anymore and say, I don't know when I'm coming home and I'll, I just couldn't do it. So anyway, he said, listen, I love you. Uh, I'll, I'll put a plane ticket out at the airport for you. Come home and think about what you're doing and what you're going to do next. He said, because sometimes the ladder of success is against the wrong wall. And so, like uh, but don't, but don't stop writing because, because everybody loves your songwriting. Just, just keep writing. Promise me you'll do that. So, so I came home and I went to work for the Gallup organization right when they were transitioning from being a, a not terribly profitable polling company uh-huh. <laughs> uh, to the sort of consulting juggernaut yes. that they became. Because, you know, polling became a commodity and nobody cared who did it. They just wanted the data. And so, so Gallup got smart and said, hey, you know what? We have 60 years mm-hmm. of data. So let's write some books about engagement and strengths and all the stuff that they did that was so uh, so remarkable. So, you know, they, the, the company boomed right at the time that I got there. So they needed people to do everything. So, uh, I went back and got an MBA. I started Spanish interviewing at Gallup. Uh, I became a director of marketing. They needed a senior staff writer to interview their, uh, their executives that we worked with. And so they flew me around the country and I got to do that. So it was a, it was a heyday and a great time. If you, you know, if you, like doing a lot of different things and you can do them pretty well. It was, it was wonderful. So, um, it, it was a blessing. I was there 13 years. And then, uh, at the end of year 13, I, I realized it was time to, to do something else. And I wasn't even really sure what that was, uh, but it was time. And so, uh, my wife and I have a lot of faith in these things. We, you know, we know when you're being stopped, that's really not failure. That's just a roadblock for you mm-hmm. to find something else. So, exactly. Uh, so I, you know, went into the PR business. Yeah, I love books. I've always been a word guy, so that that was cool. You know, what was interesting to me is oh, thanks for sharing all that. What's interesting is, uh, so you went anywhere for Gallup, and then you wrote you were, wrote these, you know, your own books, etc. But you never stopped writing, and so as a songwriter you still did it. And so you may have been a different type of writing, but you still kept writing. And I think that's a lesson for all of us is when we realize that life may pivot or things may happen. And so our career may change, but the gifts that are inside of us still come out. I know for me, I was, um, I was a musician since I was the age of three, a vocal performance major, piano performance major, all that I did. And so for me, it was something that I, I did all the time. And so when I graduated from university, undergrad, I had the opportunity to go, or I wanted to go to either, either new school or to um, a school out in LA and I was going to pursue my music, et cetera. And I thought, you know, I'm, and at that time I was like, I'm going to play it safe because I had one of my degrees was in psychology. So I quote, played it safe, went to graduate school because I was like, what happens if I don't make it? And many people have that. And I'm fine with where I'm at because I love who I am today. And so I put my music on hold for a while and then I uh, did very well in psychology. And so I had a private practice in, in, Washington, D.C. And in 2012, I made a change and wanted to make a change. And so that's how Lifeology started. But to to, uh, pivot on what you're saying, or piggyback rather, 
is my voice was always my primary instrument, but I still use my voice. So I still may not use my voice in song, but I still use my right. voice on the radio. Right. I still use my voice on television. And so I think that's so important that everything still works. It just may look, like you said, on a different wall. The ladder may be on a different wall. Well, you know what that says, James? That says that nothing is wasted. Yes. And that, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, it may look different than what you thought it might look like, but that doesn't make it any less yeah, effective. Yeah, exactly. You know, and the other thing it says is, is that, you know, so all these years, you know, I've written 500 songs, you know, I haven't yeah. recorded all of those. Like Dolly but, Parton. <laughs> you know, but like Dolly Parton, but, you know, but here's the thing is that, you know, uh, people will say sometimes like, what, you know, why do you, why, what are you doing in a writing room, you know, on a Tuesday night for hours parsing a single, you know, word or whatever. And the answer is, I, just like you, you know, and pe and people like us, it's hard to explain, but it's yes. like, I can't not do it. Yeah. You know, if I'm driving, you know, when I used to, when I used to tour some, uh, I would occasionally have, you know, kids especially come up to my record table and they would say, you know, I want to be a songwriter too. And, and I would say, well, when you drive to the grocery store, you know, do you turn your radio off and do you hear music? You know, <laughs> so because good. if you, because if you don't, there's no way to, that yes. I can make, you can hone all of this stuff and get yeah. better at it, but I can't make you hear, uh, or, or, or hear an idea that crystallizes and you say, uh, okay, I got to get home and write this down, or I've got to write it down in the car. If yeah. you have something in the car to write <laughs> with, you know what I'm talking I about. Totally and there's about. no way to describe that to anybody. Uh, and so all these years, I never felt like that my writing and my, my, my music was on hold. I mean, I would do a gig every so often and people, a lot of people would show up and it was fun and it gave me a chance to try out what I was working on. Mm -hmm. And so I kept, I kept it, uh, moving and, you know, moving forward as if any minute I was yes. going to turn a corner and something was going to happen. And the last 18 months has been that, that corner turn, if you want to call it that. So you know how it works. Yeah. Well, let's transition into, into your new album, What Love Makes Us Do. Tell me about that. Well, it was a, it was written that, you know, a lot of my stuff, you know how writing is, but, uh, you know, it was written in a really painful moment. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I had, uh, we had, our, our, our sons had been in some trouble and issues and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I was just crestfallen. And, and I, and, you know, and when you're, when you're in that situation as a father, you only have two choices, really. One is to, to show mercy and to hang in there yes. until this gets better or do what a lot of, I think fathers especially do is they sort of discard you and say, look, you know what, this is too much trouble. You call me when you get it together mm -hmm. kind of thing. Well, I, I didn't know how to do that yeah. second thing. And so, and so, uh, so I thought about, uh, one night I was home by myself, Susie, my wife was traveling. And, uh, and I was thinking about the sacrifices that I, I was making for love. And that's that this song just came mm. and, um, yeah. and, you know, and, and look, here's the, here's the crazy part. So now we're recording this music and, um, and, uh, I have a, a amazing producer, Rich Herring plays with little river band. He's in Nashville. Love this guy. He's made it so easy to do this. Uh, but, you know, so it might be uh, plausible mm -hmm. that he and I would talk about this and he would have an idea of what I heard 12 years ago when I wrote the song. Oh, interesting. But, okay. But what's not plausible 
is that he sent the song out to a top session piano uh, keyboard guy in Nashville. And James, when I got this track back to sing on, uh, I broke down when I listened to it. I, I was so, I, and I called him and I said, how did you guys know this? How did you know what I heard? Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to make it do this, but how did you know how to, that what I heard? And yeah. you know what? There's something very supernatural about all of that, I think. Mm -hmm. It's kind of inexplicable. Yeah. You know, science can try to explain it, uh, but, I, but I think it's, there's something else going on there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Wow. So, yeah. And that's amazing that they were able to, not put into words per se, but, but to embody what, you, to magnify your, your dream for that song. Yes. To be able to take That's it. That's the word. Yeah. And, and yeah. to be able to do that. And then you were able to sing on it. So it's the culmination of not only your gift, but also their gift as they were able to really capture what it is you tried to create. And I, I, when I listened to the album, I, I could hear a lot of the emotion. I could hear a lot of, I don't want to say it felt raw because that's not the right word. You emoted in a way that I felt what you were going through. I felt the emotion. I could hear the highs, the lows, the, the, the nostalgia, the, the hope. I heard, I, I felt it and I heard it. And there's so many of, of the that's tracks great. that I heard. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's absolutely beautiful. In fact, I was out walking my dog when you sent me that album the other day. And I was listening to it and I was like, this is really good. And in fact, it, it, it stirred some emotions in me about things I was going through. So I, I can't wait for the audience to hear Thank it because it's, it's a beautiful, well, beautifully, beautiful album. You know what? That's the highest praise you can give me, James. You know, I, one of the things that I, uh, you know, there, I think that when you continue to pursue something that you mm -hmm. know you're here for, yes, that uh, there's a conspiracy that happens, and it may not happen in the time that you want it to happen, mm -hmm. but it just happens, and so. You know, and so for years I would go to Nashville, let's say, and I would meet with publishers and they would say, we don't get it. You know, we, yeah. we don't understand what you're doing. You know, you, you're not writing about pickup trucks and, <laughs> you know, bonfires and stuff. And so we don't really know what to do with that. And yeah. so um, and so, you know, and so a, a few years ago, uh, I, a, a, you know, miraculously became friends with the guy who wrote who co-wrote I Can't Make You Love Me mm -hmm. and. And he's from Houston, like I am, and all of that. And um, and so one day we were sitting in Nashville. I, I was up there again for another meeting that I didn't want to go to, basically. And he said, you, what are you doing this afternoon? I said, well, I'm going to see a publisher. And I said, I'm probably going to hear the same story, you know, that I don't yeah. do bonfires or whatever, yeah. chicks in tight jeans, you know. <laughs> and so he said, well, let me tell you about some of my songs. And he took me through his songs that he'll be remembered for. And not one of those uh, was any of the things that a publisher, somebody who's trying to make commerce out mm -hmm. of out of art, would say. Yeah, that's 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 exactly what we're looking for. And yet, when people, when actual people, you know, it got past mm -hmm. the business people mm -hmm. and got to the to the artists, let's say, yes. you know, they they couldn't leave it alone and that it, it moved them in a way. It's like, you know what? I, I, I have to record this yes. and I have to, I have to have to sing this song. And so, you know, so when you say that, James, when you say I'm out walking my dog and I was really moved by this and it made me rethink some things or anything like that, 
to me, that's, you know, that's my definition of success. Yes, I, uh, I don't, I don't really care if I'm, you know, I'm working on a book right now called Redefining Success. that will come out, I hope, next year sometime if I can ever finish it. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's about this very thing. You know, when you say I've written a book, what's the first thing people say? They say, yeah. how many did you sell? Mm-hmm. You know what I think? I think, what do you care? How yeah, many exactly. I sold? Yeah, how was that? <laughs> right? Totally get that. You know, what, here's, here's what's important is that somebody's going to hear a James Miller song yeah. out there when they really need to hear it. And their life is going to be changed. And you're probably never going to know that person. Yeah. You know, the ripples will go out to a place that you can't get to. Mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, it, you're wildly successful because you've done that. If you choose to adopt that version of success, that's what success is. And so for me, you know, I'm already, I mean, just getting to do this stuff yeah. and getting to participate every day and work with books and all the things I do in my life right now. I mean, I, I, I feel already uh, like a successful person and, you know, anything else is sort of gravy, you know, on top mm-hmm. of that. So, and that's, uh, you know, that makes it easier because what it does is it also keeps you from having uh, the scarcity mentality yes. that a lot of people uh, have. Like if something good happens for you, it doesn't happen. It didn't happen for me. I I, I don't care. I'm happy yeah. for you if that happens. Yeah. And it's a great place to get to Yes, because it causes you to create differently too, I think, yes. you know? So anyway, that's probably more than you wanted to know. No, but, I love, you know, I absolutely it, love that. Uh, I, I love that because, you know, I, that's one thing I, I remember when I first started and I first started on YouTube and I hardly got any views, but my point was I'm creating my brand and I'm doing this because I'm supposed to do this. So just like you said, when you close your eyes and you can yeah. see the song or you hear the song, same thing with me as well. And so I, I was on, I did YouTube, uh, YouTube episodes for six months, every single day, because I wanted to hone my craft. I wanted to make sure that I was getting better at it. And so if you see the first, <laughs> first couple of months, pretty bad content was good, but the production and, um, and how I presented was not so well. Anyway, my point is, is that when you understand why you do it, what's your motivation for doing this? It changes because it removes the stigma of how many likes do I get, or how many things do I sell or how many, you know, whatever it might be is for how many followers do I have? When you remove that, you simply allow yourself to be, and when you can be and be that person and, and, and hone and really nurture that talent and that gift, then doors do open. Yeah. You randomly met, randomly met this person who wrote that song, I Can't Make You Love Me, which love that song. All of that was, I'm assuming, done because you, you weren't out. Your, met, your metric of success or your reason for doing things was because it was what was right for you, what was healthy for you, what was the now for you. And many people don't realize that if you get lost in the glitz and glamour, that's an external motivator that yeah. won't last forever. One day you're in, one day you're out. No. So when you do it because you're yeah. supposed to do it, that's when the success right. happens. And the success, that success is more, um, you can maintain that. But if something burns out too quickly, well, then you've lost it. And you're like, well, why am I doing this? And you have to rethink everything. But right. the point is, is that that slow burn of I'm doing this because I'm called to do this, I'm supposed to do this. That's what will always sustain you, which will always propel you to the next level of your life. And think, James, how different the world would be if people adopted that view of everything that they do. Yeah. So, so you know, you know the, the numbers, the Gallup numbers. You've probably mm-hmm. seen mm-hmm. these numbers. Yeah. So when I was there, they started asking the question, the Q12, the engagement mm-hmm. study. Mm-hmm. One of the questions is, and this is a self-reported question, man. So yeah, the numbers are probably worse than this. But the, <laughs> sure. the question is, at work, I get to do what I do best mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. You know what? Only one person in five, James, for 30 years has answered yes to that question. Oh, my gosh. 80% yeah. of us, 80% of us are just doing stuff every yeah. day. We're not doing what we were wired 
and yeah. called to do. And, you know, and part of it is what you're talking about, I think, is that the conflict between. So, you know, I mean, I, I say to people in my circle all the time that think, hey, I'm too old now. I'm 60. Hey, I'm 65. I went on Medicare in January. That's kind of a joke now. Yeah. That like now all of a sudden I got a hit song out there and I'm, yeah. I'm on Medicare. It couldn't yeah. happen 20 years ago. Right. But here's the thing is that I, I've never felt less than at any point in this process, just because yeah. somebody else, something happened for them. Right. Yeah. But, but that conflict will cause you to, if that's your definition of success is the corner office, let's say, let's just use that one mm -hmm. definition of success. You will do anything to get there. And then, you know what, when you get there, somebody's going to say, are you happy? Cause you don't look happy. And the answer is probably going to be, no, yeah. this doesn't, this didn't do it for me. And the reason is, is that our souls, you know, James Miller was built to create You're you're wired to create and that's what you're doing. And you know what? And so, so anything else you would have done in your life, even if you had had your name on the outside of the building and you yeah. owned the building, <laughs> yeah. you would have felt like, you know what, there's, there's this gnawing, uh, uh, you know, kind of chasm and feeling yeah. in me that I, I'm not, I'm not accomplishing what I came here for. And yeah. that's a terrible, you know, regrets are a terrible thing. Failure is not so bad. You can fix that. Regrets are awful. Yeah. And, you know, I would bet that you don't have any, hardly any regrets in your life because you said, Hey, when nobody's looking, I'm going to go on YouTube and I'm going <laughs> to do these things every day. You know what? And so, but that's brave, James. That's the bravery it takes to step out and say, okay, there's this path that everybody else is well-worn, right? And then there's this path that I'm looking at going, it's crazy, but I'm yeah. supposed to be on that path, yeah. right? Yeah. And, that's, and, that's when, and that's when I think that's when greatness really happens, in my opinion, is the people who choose that, that, you know, because you take, I told somebody last week, they said, what is going on with you, okay? I mean, all of this stuff around your music, I said, I feel like I've plugged into 220 and all the lights have come on, you know, <laughs> and I love it. and the reason yeah. that they have, James, is for the same reason they're coming on for you and mm -hmm. people are pursuing you to do network things and all this stuff is because, you know, you've taken your significant gifts and you've plugged them into a place where you've dovetailed them into a place where you can be world class at something. How many people are doing that? Yeah. I mean, I, I apparently only 20% of us, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, what I love about you as well, because I ref oh, thank you so much. I, I thank you for your kind words. I truly appreciate you saying that. I, when I think back on you, though, when you were younger and you're like, I can't do this anymore. At that time, it wasn't the right time for you. If there's a, if there's a right time, there's a wrong time. And so it's, it's a misplaced time, rather. And so learning how to say, this is still in me, and the timing may not be right, but the timing will be right. And so knowing that yes. the dream and the gift that you've been given and you've been focusing on that now comes to fruition and maturation years later, but you never stopped. And I think that's the struggle with many people is when the door closes, rather think, okay, oh, this isn't going to happen. And then we don't continue to build our craft or hone our craft or continue moving forward. Mm -hmm. Because when the time is right, there's nothing worse than having a door open and you're not prepared to enter that door because you did yeah, follow no through kidding. with your dream. And, and I say this respectfully because we've all been in that position, but I really want to encourage my listeners today and viewers that if you have a door that feels like it's closed, it's just simply not the right door. And so just like Dennis, he found that door, he's opened it up, and now he is doing wonderful, amazing things.
Uh, you know, and it, and let me just say this at the time, because I didn't know better, it felt like failure. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, now what am I going to do? I'm a 35 year old man with no business background and all this stuff. And, you know, and, yeah. uh, but you know what, but now I look back and, uh, I did a, a documentary of, of three or four years ago, a friend of mine, daughter is in the, um, UT film school, University mm-hmm. of Texas film school. And she mm-hmm. called me up one day. She said, Hey, we're working on a documentary. Would you like to be in it? I didn't even know what it was, but I know her. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, absolutely. So I, so Susie and I go down to the, to the school and they, we walk into their studio and, uh, all the lights come up, and then my friend's daughter stands in front of me, and she asks this great question. She says, so you're 62 now, or whatever I was. She goes, when you were 22 like us, how did you know you'd be here? Hmm. I I said, well, uh, let me be honest. I said, I didn't know I'd be here because I didn't know there was a here here to be. I, I didn't know, mm-hmm. but but I said, but I did know what being here felt like. And as much yes. as I was able to go through my life and economically make decisions, you know, that kept my lights on and stuff, I'd always chose a thing that felt like being here. And, mm. and now it's brought me here, but is this the place mm-hmm. that I would have chosen? No. Cause I didn't know, I didn't know how great yeah. it would be to be here. And every stop yeah. along the way until a certain age felt like, okay, you know what? I, I guess I just failed. I guess this didn't work, mm. you know, not true at all. Because, look, I was my own publicist, James, when I was doing music back there at 25, and I was on TV and radio everywhere, okay? My hometown, the Houston Post, ran a half a page story on me when when my album Man of Steel came out, and it was a big story, like it was a big deal. It's like, I'm nobody in the scheme of things in the music business. (laughs) But at the end of that, you know, the question was, so why did I why did I do this? What was it for? <clears throat> you know what? Thirty five years later, I became the publicist for for the people I bring to you, yeah. and I knew how to do it. I knew what I was doing, yeah. and it was so much easier to do it for John Maxwell than it was to do it for mm-hmm. for for myself, right? And so you know, but you have to be you have to adopt the mindset that look nothing is wasted. And I'm going to be honest with myself. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to learn about who I am and I'm going to pursue the things that I'm here for. Even if the naysayers around me think that's crazy. Yes. yes. It's a very, yeah. it's a very, you know, and it can be a rough road because there's a lot of naysayers. Very lonely road. You know, there yes. are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the naysayers just... in here. Yeah, right? it's true. Yeah. Your self-talk always determines how far you go. Yeah. And I would tell people you're as successful as you want to be. And so regard, or excuse Excuse me, you're as successful as you think you will be. And so that is the difference where the difference between people who go further and don't go further. And so it's really more how, how do we perceive ourselves and, and where do we perceive ourselves? When you close your eyes, what do you envision? And I think that is something people forget is when we lose sight of it or think we've lost our ability to be successful, simply close your eyes and you'll see it again. So, so. so you know that, that Why Not Me, the song Why yeah. Not Me that's on this record. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, a, that's a good is, one. I like it's it's a hit song. It's it's out yeah, there. It's a really good song. Like Mantor has recorded it. Yeah. It's it's a number one song in country in the medium markets and all that. And so early on, it was nominated for a Grammy for Song of the Year. Wow. And uh, and, and country Song of the Year. So it did. I, I didn't plan to win a Grammy, just so you know. But but here's what I did do is I just as a joke, I went to my wife. You know, a few days after I found this out, all yeah. of a sudden my phone's blowing up. 
and people are saying, oh my gosh, you, you're nominated for a Grammy? How'd, how'd this happen? The answer is, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. and so, <laughs> so I went to her and I said, honey, I just want you to know I've, I've polished up and, and, and uh, created my Grammy acceptance speech. Good for and, you. <laughs> and she said, okay, let me hear this. And so here, was my, here it is. And so I'm saving it. And, yeah. but, but, but my speech is, you know, I hold up the little trophy, right? And I say, right. if you're here and you've been working a really long time on something you know you're supposed to be doing in this world, don't stop because yes. you never know what's around the next corner. Yes. And right. so, you know, most people, my songwriter friends in Nashville that have done well, I'll say, are you really that much better than everybody else? And the answer is no, but I'm, I'm still here. I'm still yes. doing this every day. The people yes. who come here and expect it to happen in five minutes or a year or five years, you know, they're not here anymore. And so that's a lesson for all of us. It's like, you know what, the reason you're doing well, James, is because you, you didn't, you didn't stop back there. You know, you kept, you kept, you know, plugging in pieces of this and making something of your own, which is a very unique, you know, it's a, it's a unique thing that you have and it's not like anybody else's. And by the way, mine's not either. And I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I think yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah, that's, yeah. that's some of the joy of doing it is that people say, yes. I, I don't know. I don't understand what you're doing. That's okay. You don't have to. I do. Yeah. Yeah, right? it's, it's exactly. And unfortunately, our time is up. But I want to I want to thank you so much, Dennis. I can't wait for my listeners to listen to it, to purchase this album, What Love Makes Us Do. Where do they find all this information online? So we are working, are yeah, we're working on the, by the time this airs, uh, there'll be a website that you can come to and listen and, and buy and right. all that stuff. It'll also be up on all the streaming services uh, like okay. they do. Uh, and these days, you know, and, uh, and then I'm also going to have, I'm actually creating cause I'm old school. I'm creating a few CDs that I'll sign yes, and send people that so they can buy them on my website. And hopefully by the time awesome. this airs, we'll ha actually have one. <laughs> so awesome. All right. Well, my listeners also know that if they can't find this information and other place, go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com. And in the show notes, as well as in the introduction of this, I will have the website where you may purchase this. And also once again, go to all the streaming platforms and you can listen to the album of what love makes us do by Dennis Welch. Dennis, thank you so much. We had a wonderful guest. Research. I had a, I had a fantastic time. With you. Enjoyable. Thank you so much. To learn more about Dennis, please visit welch-words.com. You may also listen to his music on your favorite streaming platform. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.